You may be seated. I love that song. What an opportunity we have to rejoice in the Lord together. Um, My name is Jeff Brewer. I'm one of the pastors here. I just have a few announcements. We're going to spend some time in God's word here for a little bit. But uh, first thing, well, actually, I saw this on the printer upstairs. And so we're in the process of getting ready to go back. I love this. I just saw this. I didn't know we did this every week. The, uh, uh, I saw, we're going in the process of going back to Glenbard East, and we're starting up our children's ministries again, Hope Kids, where we get to teach the Lord. And I, I saw that the test person that is used when they print out the, um, the labels here, the test person is Kevin McAllister. Does anybody know who that is? Okay, and his fear is uh, snacks are okay for him, and he's afraid of being left alone. That's his... Uh, so Kevin McAllister is the Macaulay Culkin character from Home Alone. So I just thought that was a kind of a, that was a deep dive into pop culture there that I really appreciated. Um, second thing uh, is uh, we have a number of copies. So Crossway, as well as a very generous donor, has uh, made available uh, Gen- Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, to churches. And so we have a number of copies of these. We want to give these to you if you've not read it. Um, Some of you remember Dane, he's been with us a couple of times, he's a good friend. And what I love about this book is it helps us to stop and to delight in the truth of the gospel and that we belong to a God who has enabled us to draw near to him and a God who is gentle and lowly in his savior, Jesus. And so if you don't have a copy of this, um, we'd love for you to pick one up. They're back on the back table. There's a box with some more underneath as well. And so Also, the Hope Women's and Men's Bible Studies are starting up this fall in mid-September. Pick up a brochure in the back for that. There's also some information about two different ladies' retreats that are happening this um, fall as well. Um, And one last announcement, mission groups are starting up again as well. So if you get the kind of the theme is we're coming back out of kind of into normal life, uh, Lord willing, as Aaron even just prayed there, and have the opportunity to begin to engage around the word with one another in fellowship. And so please avail yourself of all these things. Um, But if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. And I chose this Psalm. Uh, I wanted to come here because I want us to think about in light of everything that's going on and starting back up and where we are and just the events of the last 18 months, let alone what's been going on in your families and extended families. I want us to stop and I want us to think about God's word and our need for God's word. And so I'm going to read starting in verse nine and I'm going to read to verse 40 of Psalm 119 and then I'll pray and we'll spend some time in God's word. So Psalm 119, starting in verse nine. Bait, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Gimel, deal bountifully with your servant that I might live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth 
Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules all the times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Dalit, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Hey, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray like the psalmist, open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your word here this morning. Teach us to observe your word and keep it with all of our hearts. Father, we pray that as we look to this beautiful poem about your word, that our hearts would be singing songs of joy and longing that we might know you more and we might hear you speak to us more by the power of your spirit through your word. And so, Father, we do pray that you would work here this morning. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in our redeemer's precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we said, we're going to look at a portion of Psalm 119 this morning. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. And in some, Psalm 119 is like a love poem from the psalmist about the word of God. Kind of a, a love poem about the word. It, but it's more than that. It's an, it's an extreme love poem. It, it's 176 tightly written verses following a well-designed pattern to talk about how much he loves the word of God and how much he needs it and how much he longs for it. But, but just so you think, just so we're not tempted to think that, we're, that he's worshiping a book or that we should worship a book, what this psalm reflects is, it, 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 he's reflecting he loves God And since he loves God, he learns about God from his word so that he can love him more and so he can delight in him more. And so he's recounting just how beautiful and how lovely and helpful the word is to help him to see God. And so as we go through this psalm, if we had the whole time to read the whole psalm, we'd see that he says it's good. But more than that, 
it's like rich food. He says it's sweet, but more than that, it's sweeter than honey. He says he loves God's understanding, but, he, but more than that, he says he hates all ways that are false. He, he compares the word with the light, and he says, but more than that, it illuminates the path that he's walking on. He wants to learn about it, but more than that, he's longing to learn it. He says that he really needs it, but more than that, He's saying, I'm fainting because I desire it so much. He says he doesn't want to forget it. But more than that, he's thinking about it over and over again throughout the middle of the night. He says he's amazed, but more than that, he trembles. He says the words like gold to him. But more than that, it's like very fine gold. He says he's longing for it, but more than that, he's panting he says he feels for people that don't have it, but more than that, he's, he's sobbing for them and, he, and he's bawling his eyes out when they don't have this precious word. And he says that the word has been well tested, but more than that, it's going to stand the test into, into well into eternity. He says he reads it in the morning, but more than that, he says he wakes up before dawn to cry for help from it. There's a lot here that this psalmist is saying. And he's not just kind of saying, kind of, oh, how I lovely, love you, let me count the ways, and just kind of very uh, subtly or very kind of just predictably writing it. He's pouring out his heart, and it's obvious. And there's a lot of emotion in this psalm. But, but here's how I respond when, when I just read after a, a brief, brief portion of this, and I've had the opportunity over this week to just read through this psalm a few times and listen to it as I take a walk. And so what I'm thinking as I listen to this, listen to this psalm and listen to him talk over and over again about these emotions that he feels about the word is my response is for me to say, what does he understand about the word that I don't yet fully grasp because I can so easily neglect the word or not see it as, import, as important as he seems to here. And so I, I just simply want to desire the word more so that I can delight in God even more. And I suspect you feel the exact same way that I do. That you feel, you like me, you know how easy it is to understand intellectually, I need God's word. It's important, it's clear, it's sufficient, it's necessary. But you might know that intellectually as I do, but then to feel it and to be acutely aware of it as our daily need is something that we probably all long to grow in. And so I just wanna set you at ease here a little bit this morning. Number one, we're not gonna look at the entire Psalm. Number, so that might set you at ease. Number two, I'm not gonna challenge you to read the Bible over the rest of the year I'm not gonna challenge you with a 90-day Bible reading program. I'm not gonna talk about how you can memorize scripture. Uh, I'm not gonna use this sermon to promote men's and women's Bible study, even though you might have heard they're starting middle of September. <laughs> now, all those things are good, but if that's just kind of the level that the word stays in our minds and in our hearts, is like a, it's a checklist sort of thing of, as long as I can just do this, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm doing well. I don't want us to head that direction. Those things are necessary and they're good. I want us to really be 
thinking about, especially as we come back into the fall and no matter what schedule you're facing, no matter what industry you work in, no matter how the size of your family is, my hope that this morning as we look at these verses from Psalm 119 is that one thing begins to rise in your heart. That one thing as we look at Psalm 119 would be coming into your heart over and over again. That's desire. That there'd be a growing desire. That you see the benefits for God's word, a benefit of God's word for your life and it causes you to desire more and more and to say, I need that. I want that. I, like the psalmist, want to pant after it. I want to long for it. I want to think of it as rich food. I want to think of it as sweeter than honey. I want to think of it like it's like fine gold. All these ways that are described, I want that. That's my desire for my own heart, and it's my prayer and my desire for us here at Hope Fellowship. And so my aim here this morning is that you leave here this morning feeling deep in your bones how much you need the word of God and that you have a growing desire, a greater desire than when you walked in here for the word. That's my one aim. And so here's the main point of Psalm 119. And I'm gonna say this a little differently than I normally say main points, but th- this I think is kind of gets at the thrust of Psalm 119. God's word is really, really, really great. And it, God's word is really, really necessary for everyday life. So God's word is really, really, really great And kids, if you're telling your parents later today about what was the main point of the sermon, you can add as many reallys as you want. God's word is really, 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 really great. And God's word is really, 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 really necessary for everyday life. So that's the main point I want us to look at. And so I want us to look just briefly, we'll do three things. We're gonna look at an overview of the psalm as a whole, kind of how is it put together. We'll do that very briefly. And then we're just gonna look at two ways how the word of God helps us and why it's necessary in our everyday lives and why we shouldn't neglect it. So let's look first here at, a, at the overview of Psalm 119. And I, I didn't recognize, I mean, I, one of the things I should have done when I put it up there is so when I read the Psalm, I was reading the, uh, the acrostic that is there. It's the Hebrew alphabet. It's written, uh, each stanza begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet. And I was reading them as I went. And I got to the one that said that's hey, and I, and I realized it sounded like I just said hey, and then kept reading. So it just, it's, it's a following this really tight pattern. It's a really well-written acrostic poem, just like you might have done when you were in grade school with your name. You might have kind of had your name and have every letter going down the side of a page and you have each letter stand for something. Each stanza is, begin, each line begins with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So everyone in the first eight verses, Aleph. Everyone in the second eight verses, Beit. And then on and on and go, it goes. And so it's really tightly written. It's, it's a well-written. And, and what stands out initially, and probably you notice this as I read it, is how word-centered this psalm is. In every single verse, every, every one of the 176 verses, except for five, he explicitly mentions something about the word of God. It's, it's not calling us to worship the word of God, but it's, he's instructing us to see how the word helps us to know God. 
So God reveals himself by speaking, and without a speaking God, we would be lost and unable to find our way to him. And so in that way, Psalm 19 and Psalm 119 are very similar. Kind of Psalm 19 is a very truncated version of Psalm 119 in the sense of Psalm 19 starts and it talks about how God speaks when we look up into the heavens. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. And so we can see that God spoke in creation. But then midway through Psalm, one, or Psalm 19, the psalmist turns and says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And the, the connection that we should make there is God speaks in creation and we can learn things broadly about him and how he spoke and the world came to be. But if we need to want to know about specifics about him, we need to understand his specifically revealing himself in his word. And so that's what Psalm 119 is doing, is it's helping us to understand how he specifically revealed himself through his word. And so in this psalm, there are eight different words that scripture is defined with, or uh, described with. And one commentator says it's, it's the eight bells that the psalmist keeps ringing throughout the entire psalm. He keeps coming back to these same eight words. You might have noticed that some of the words that we, that I, as I read, were repeated over and over again, like precepts, like law. And so let me talk about four that we'll see especially today. It says, the first one is law. He talks about that. It's referring to, he uses it in a few different ways here in this psalm, that it's referring either to the first five books of the Bible or the revealed law of God. And it's even used in kind of a broad manner of speaking about scripture as a whole. He talks about testimonies. The testimonies of God are his witness of what he's accomplished. And so we see what God testified by seeing what he did in his work. And so there's law, there's testimonies, there's precepts, and, and this word precepts, it's, it's orders like an officer would give after he's looked intentionally, and like an army officer, at a situation and understands the situation, and then he gives specific orders. Those are precepts, that they're built on specific truths. There are commandments. Essentially, what we realize when we see God's commandments in scripture is, God has authority to tell all of his creatures how we are to live and what we are to do. We don't have the right to just live our lives the way we want. We are under authority. And one of the effects of sin, it being away from God, is that essentially we reject his authority. We make ourselves the authority. And so one, we're reminding, we're reminding ourselves when we come to God's word, he has the right, he has the authority to give commandments. And so the main thing we need to know about all of these words, eight different ways he's saying these things, eight bells he's continuing to ring, is that they're all describing the same thing. He's speaking broadly about the revelation of God. It's his word. It's, it's like we're taking, it's like he takes a diamond and he's turning it and we're seeing all the different facets of God revealing himself. And so what we remember is when this psalm was written, this is before the time of Jesus, and God's people had the law, had his testimonies and the law, which instructed them about how they might be living their lives. It's instructing them because God said, I will be your God, you will be my people, and here's how you are to live. And so he gave the commandments to Moses. And we have the first five books of the Bible and then the writings and then the prophets. And so God spoke first to his people, the Israelites, he made them his people and he led them through his word that came through these on tablets or through the prophets or through commandments. And his word showed the Israelites just how much they needed him. 
And so it carries forth now that he has revealed himself most fully through his son Jesus that we see clearly. And so now we have his word to see how we might live as a result. And so Psalm 119 is a celebration. It's a love letter about how God reveals himself and how we should take delight in how we respond to his revelation. So that's just a brief little summary of the psalm. It's, it's written in an acrostic pattern, like from the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It follows a tight pattern and it's repetitive intentionally so that we understand just how important God is who reveals himself to us. So now let's look at two ways that the word of God helps us. Two ways from Psalm 119 that the word of God helps us. And this is, we could, we could seriously have a 20 point sermon at least here. So we're going to have two. The first is the word of God protects us. The word of God protects us. Look look at verses nine and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. You know, we've just gone through the book of Proverbs and looked at a number of things from Proverbs, and and this really sounds very proverbial. It's a question about how we might live a wise life. So how does a young person, not just a young person, but how does anybody um, keep their way pure? It's a question that all Christians, all of us should be asking. How do I keep my way pure? How do I keep the way that I live, the manner in which I live, the path that I'm walking, how do I keep it holy? How do I keep my way pure? It's it's about how we live in terms of our conduct. And so the question is, how do I do that? And look at the answer. Very simple. By guarding it according to your word. So if you're asking the question, how do I keep my way pure? I have no idea how to do that. I don't know how to live the the Christian life. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you're investigating Christianity and you're wondering, what's this all about? The, The very simple answer is God makes us his people through belief in Jesus. And then we ask the question, how can I live this life? And the answer is by guarding it according to your word. This is guarding like how a sentry might keep watch. And so to keep our ways pure, we have to be keeping watch over our lives by using the word as the means by which we're keeping watch. And so, you know, when I was a youth pastor, um, we took a trip down to Alabama and we stayed in a farmhouse and the boys were on one side of the, the house and the girls were on the other side of the house. And like every good youth trip, all of the students decided it was the last night and we knew they're gonna be playing pranks on one another all night. And so we kind of sat ourselves as leaders in certain places, didn't get very much sleep at all. We were kind of keeping watch throughout the watches of the night to kind of keep guard over these teenagers that wanted to have fun, we wanted them to have fun, but just not then, just go to sleep, go to bed. We're up keeping watch intentionally. So how we might ask the question, how do we keep watch over our lives with the word? How do we do that? Is it just, we just have a Bible reading program? Do we just have these things that we check off? Again, that's good and it's important. And we wanna keep talking about things like that. But let's think at a little bit broader level. Look at verse 24. There's a lot of answers to this, but in verse 24, here's what he says. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. 
They're my counselors. Look, we often think of counselors today like those who just kind of listen to us and don't maybe give advice. They just kind of listen, we lay on the couch and they're listening to us, but they're not really saying a lot. They're just kind of repeating back what we we have said. But these counselors, these are like an advisory council. The, the word of God is like my counselors, and as like we talked about when looking for advice from wise counselors, we want to be listening first and foremost to God's word and treating it as if, God, you know me, you know my situation, you know my weaknesses, and so counsel me from your word, teach me. Now, let's put that together though, so God's testimonies are my counselors. Now, let's put that together with, down in verse 31. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. And so the word of the Lord is like a counselor, like a group of counselors seeking to counsel us. And then how do we respond to those counselors? How do we respond to the word? Here here he says in verse 31, we cling to your testimonies. That we hold on in such a way that we're not gonna let go no matter what. You know, here's how we... I have to, when we take our dogs on a walk, there are two spaces in our neighborhood where there are cats that are outdoor cats. And when we pass these outdoor cats, the first time I had no idea there was a cat there and all of a sudden the dogs were just, I was holding the leash lightly and they took off and I had to go run into somebody's backyard and chase after them, it was horribly awkward. You're wondering like, why is that man in our backyard? These people are and things. And so we're sitting there. I, so I, after that, now, every time we walk by these two houses, I wrap the leashes around my hand. I'm holding onto them as tight as I can because I know if they see those cats, uh, the dumb cats, that they're gonna take off and I need to just do whatever I can. Now, here's how we need to think about this. When we're being counseled from God's word, is we're using God's word, God is using it by his spirit to prepare us so that we know when we come up against our weaknesses, the cats in our life that are kind of there, I mean, using cats as our weaknesses, that's a good like analogy, isn't it? A good metaphor. The, uh, like the, sorry if you're a cat lover, I just don't happen to be. uh, If we come up against these things in our life and we're not using the word to be active in our life, we're not gonna guard it. It's just gonna, all of a sudden our hearts are gonna run after these things that we're so, like we sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Look, all of us, because of sin, are prone, we're hardwired in our hearts to still be attracted to sin. Even though we've been set free from the power of sin, the presence of sin still remains, and so we have to be on guard. And how we guard is with the word, and it helps us to remember. And so if you're, for example, if you're struggling with lust, one kind of way you can guard your heart is by looking to someplace like 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That you know that's the will of God, that you can cling to that promise even when you're tempted if you're tempted to gossip, if you're tempted to slander, if you're going mean, to all these ways to anger, you can see God's promises, you can see his testimonies in his word, and you seek to remember them in such a way that you can cling to them, especially when your heart wants to run after those cats in your life. And so the word of God is counseling us, and we're clinging to it. And then in verse 38, we see what the spirit uses to help it to come to pass. Verse 38, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. 
The word of God protects us by helping us to turn our eyes away from worthless things. You know, and here's here's the beauty that we see here. It's not just the written word that protects us. When God the Son was born, when Jesus took on flesh, John tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God no longer just spoke audibly from the clouds or in his works or on tablets or through the mouths of prophets. God the Son took on flesh. He clothed himself with humanity so he could be the word made flesh. And the word made flesh, he spoke through, the Father spoke through the Son. And the Father said, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so Jesus, the word of God, He protected us because he came that he might lay down his life for our sins. He showed that he was the perfect Israelite. He was like this psalmist who delighted in God's law all the time. Who is the only perfect person that has ever lived that could say when they read this psalm, that is my heart completely? It was Jesus. And Jesus, the word made flesh, he came that he might protect us and he, spent, he came that he might speak truth and that he might lay down his life and that we might believe it's only through Jesus that I'm protected from the wrath of God. By believing in him, I will be saved and I will have life because he has protected me from God's wrath that was rightly due me. And so now I can live free because he bore on himself my penalty. And so the word of God protects us and it protects us in an ongoing way. But what we have to remember is the word made flesh. He protects us from the wrath of God and he has made us clean and holy and pure. And so now we can live in that way by looking to his word, how we might live. So the word of God, it protects us. The second thing I want us to see here this morning is the word of God helps us to pray. And and if you notice, if you would go through Psalm 119 this week, you could go through Psalm 119 and you could write in the margins of your Bible kind of all the different times when he prays. And it's just kind of this spontaneous prayer that just kind of seems to go. He's talking about the word. He's talking about the precepts, the testimonies, all these things. And then he'll he'll just all of a sudden erupt in prayer. You know, we saw one such example in verse 10. With my whole heart, I seek you. And then he goes into prayer. Let me not wander from your commandments. That's a prayer. Oh God, let me not wander from your commandments. Look down at verse 17 and 18. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. What we pray when we come to God is when we open his, come to God's word, is we open up God's word and we're saying essentially, I want to behold wondrous things from this. And, and, and wondrous is a description of things that, describe, that inspire awe. God does wondrous works. We think his works are wonderful because we are, that's an emotional response that we're having. We're standing in awe, we're saying he's wonderful, but he's wonderful because he does these wondrous works. And, and there's a prayer of anticipation here. Open my eyes. This is, a, this is a prayer Jen taught the girls when they were really young, when we opened up God's word. Open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things, wondrous things from your word. That we can know he 
open, he willingly shares with us. That's what God's word is, is a willing sharing, God willingly sharing with us truth about him. Now, here's one thing. One reason we fail to see some of these wondrous works of God is because we're in such a hurry. Like we can, it can't, we can, again, we can easily just view the word like something on our checklist. It, it can be something we can when look on as a, we'll just kind of do this on the side rather than something to be savored. And so if we're gonna pray the word, if we're gonna use God's word to help us to pray, we need to do something else. And that something else is, could be summarized with meditate, the word meditate. Look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. You know, we could see that back in verse 11 said a similar thing and with different language. I have stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So I meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes. I've stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. And so understanding, and God's intention is for an understanding to lead for us to be thinking more and to be thinking deeply and to be meditating on God's word all the more. Now, here, here to meditate in scripture, it just means uh, to go over and over a matter in somebody's mind. And so we, we go over, we're meditating on scripture. It's, it's different than like Eastern meditation, which is clear your mind of all things. This is actually to meditate is to fill your mind with truth from scripture and to go over and over again that ma- with that matter in, in your mind. You know, it's, it's like wringing it out to get every drop out of it. it or it's like, it's like putting a lifesaver in your mouth and, and not just kind of crunching it up immediately, but just letting it kind of stay there until it's like a sliver in your, of smooth candy in your mouth. We're just kind of meditating. We're going over and over again in our minds. Now, interestingly, this word meditate is the same word that's used for complain in scripture. When, when, and, and complaining happens when somebody is outwardly speaking to someone else in a negative way and they're going over and over a matter in their mind. And so kind of put it in your, think about it that way. When you think about somebody, think about somebody at your work, maybe, maybe it's you if you're honest, you're a complainer. And you just want to kind of talk over and over and over again. You just can't stop. Like, we got to talk about this again and just over and over again. That's kind of on a negative way, outwardly, what the same thing is that should be happening inwardly in a positive way that we're going over and over God's word, regularly just kind of meditating and savoring it and thinking about all of these ways that it's helpful for us. And so here's how this helps us in prayer. I think it helps us because it helps us to thoughtfully bring our requests and our desires before God in a way that's in accordance with his will and it helps us to think about different things to pray. So, may, so if, you're, if this is your problem, if you're struggling in prayer and your problem is you just feel like, I just kind of repeat the same things, I don't know what to pray, I would encourage you, meditate on God's word, soak in it over and over again, and as you do that, you're going to, like the psalmist, begin to naturally pray some of the things that you're reading. You're gonna turn them into prayers. You're gonna pray for people differently. Now look, at down, look down at verses 33 through 40. And if you just look at the first 
words at each one of these um, lines, each, each verse, you're, you're gonna see almost every um, line in this entire stanza are prayers. Like it says, you know, teach me, O Lord. Give me understanding. Lead me in path of your commandments. Incline my heart. Turn my eyes. You know, turn away from the reproach. Behold, I long in your righteousness for, for your precepts. Give me life. Those are all prayers. Teach me, Lord. Help me. Give me understanding. Lead me in the path of your commandments. And so we can take God's word and we can meditate on it and we can begin to pray God's word in a greater way. And so what that means is to pray and to meditate on scripture means that we just aren't giving fleeting glances to the word like we do when we check the rearview mirror or when we might compulsively look at our phone, that we're really not looking at anything in particular, we just have it in our hand. We're stopping, we're soaking, we're meditating. To remember the word, we need to dwell on the word and try to get to a place where we can shut everything else in our busy lives out. And so it might be that you get up earlier than the others in your house just so you can have some quiet time there. It might be that you pull away at work around your lunch hour and just go on a walk and sit and spend some time in God's word. And it, one thing that helps me, honestly, I love technology and I use it to study the word every week. But when I'm spending time in the word in the morning, I, I need to be able to hold God's word in my hand and smell God's word and see God's word and just hold it and be able to flip through. It's, and so I'd encourage you, if you're struggling in this way, hold an actual physical copy. Don't use your phone, which is just so easily, just by nature, distractible. You know, so, so the remember, to remember the word, we're kind of trying to get to a spot that we can kind of shut everything else out and focus in on what the word says. Because what we're doing is, what we're saying is, God, I need your word so much because I don't know what's coming this week. I don't know what trials I'm going to face. I don't know what temptations I'm going to face. And so help me proactively to be filling up my heart with your word right now. Because I don't know, you might be here this morning and you might be sitting there and you say, I know I need God's word. And, and I hope there's just a longing and a desire that you're feeling in your heart. You're saying, I can't wait to spend some time alone in God's word later today. But you might be here and you might be just neck deep in a trial. And, and you're feeling this overwhelming, all you can think about your mind when you stop, it just goes back to this trial and this, or this struggle that you're going through. Maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a temptation, but you're going through it and you can't, you're just thinking about it all the time. I, I would encourage you, to be heading to God's word and just saying, God, open your word that, you might, that I might behold wonderful things from your law here. Would you show me truth from your word and help me? And that's the prayer he'll answer. You know, our, our family over the last week has been praying for a pastor and his family, an Acts 29 pastor that we've known for many years, Vince and Kirsten Black, who live out in Colorado. Their 17-year-old son on July 31st, Ezra, he was diagnosed with leukemia and they're right in the scary days. They've been in the, he's been in the hospital. They've been trading off, spending the night with him there every night since then. And they're in the scary days of trying to figure out what stage he's in, what's the prognosis. And what stood out to us as we kind of read their Caring Bridge updates is how word-centered they are in calling people to pray. And here's what his mom wrote a couple nights ago. She wrote this, she said, we feel so weak and broken right now, and we're waiting to see God's power perfected. And I'm also pleading that Psalm 112.7 would hold true for us, that we will have no fear of bad news, 
that our hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. You see what she's doing there and what they're doing as a family? is they're taking the word and they're saying, this is where we are. And our temptation, which is a very natural and very normal temptation is to just fear what's the news that's coming? What's going to happen to our son? We were thinking about him playing soccer this fall and now we're thinking about how long he might have. We were thinking about what college he would go to and now we don't know what's the future is going to hold. And so, but what they're doing with all those fears in their mind is they're stopping and they're saying, Oh Lord, let your word be true of us. And they're asking others to pray, would you help your word to be true of me and us in this way? And so that's one way we can pray for one another in our mission groups is to be asking for prayer. And it, it does nobody any good if we're sitting in our mission groups and when we're, when we're fellowshiping with one another, we're just kind of putting on a show and just saying, oh no, everything's good. When we're really just hurting inside or so fearful inside. And so just open up and say, hey, would you help me? Would you help me to know what can I pray? Could you help me with a passage from scripture that I might be able to pray so that I might be able to cling to Christ more? And so we remember God's word. We meditate on his word because we don't know what the future is going to hold, but we know we can cling to him in the midst of it. And we can do that through his word. Here's, Martin Luther said this. He says, Martin Luther, the reformer, uh, he said, there are three rules for understanding scripture. Praying, meditating and suffering trials. That's interesting. Three rules for understanding scripture. Praying, meditating, we'd all kind of go, okay, yeah. Suffering trials. And here's what he says about the suffering trials. He says they're valuable because trials teach you not only to know and understand, but also to experience how right, how true, how sweet, how lovely, how mighty, how comforting God's word is. It is wisdom supreme. You know, it sounds like, it almost sounds like he's kind of talking about Psalm 119 there in all those ways, how right, how true, how sweet, how comforting. And so I, I want us to end here this morning and I want to ask a question that Christopher Ashe, one, one who's written some Psalm commentaries, he, he writes this, he just wondered, he said, what would it mean for, the, for Jesus of Nazareth to sing and to pray this Psalm? Because Israelites would have used these in their synagogues. They would have been regularly reading God's word. They would have been singing God's word. And so what would his thoughts have been? What would it have meant for Jesus? And, and I think it's a, it's a good question because Jesus would have known, obviously, this psalm. He would have meditated throughout the watches of the night on the word. He knew its true meaning and he knew how it ultimately pointed to him. I think what it shows us is Jesus is the perfectly desirous person from this psalm that, that helps us in ways that we can't even fully understand who God is, but what we can say is, I have a savior who does understand the triune God, and he's delighted as a member of the Trinity for all of eternity past, and now he has come and he's taken on flesh so that I might know him, and that I might find delight in him, and he's going to help me in, his weak, in my weakness. We have a savior who can bring us to this fullness of joy, and he's going to use the word of God by the spirit of God in our hearts to do this. And so my prayer for all of us here this morning is that we would just open up our hands and we would say to God, I need you, God. I want to desire you more. I want to know you more. And I need that from your word. And so would you help me?
So that's how I'm going to pray now, that that would be our heart, that would be our desire, no matter what we're facing this week, that we would cling to Christ through his word. Let's pray together. Father, we have prayed with open hands before you that you would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your word. And Father, we thank you that you are pleased to show us these things through your spirit. Father, I pray for us as a church, as we continue to walk in fellowship, as we continue to walk in encouraging one another in community, Father, we pray that we would be a word-centered people because all of us are so prone to wander, we're so easily distracted, we so need you. Some of us are very aware of that need and some of us aren't here this morning. And so, Father, I pray, would you give us all a deeper desire for your word? Would you help us to long for you all the more, we pray. We ask this in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, and all God's people said, amen.